2: That's who we are, and this is the Danny Parkins Show on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks a lot for hanging out. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quick and Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. 855-212-4CBS. Discussing an all-time great whose career might be over and somehow became criminally underappreciated. And I want to set the record straight on... Carmelo Anthony, who 10-time All-Star, 6-time All-NBA finalist, an NCAA champion, Team USA's leader in games played, points, and rebounds, the winningest player in Team USA international basketball history with three gold medals, the 22nd all-time leading scorer in NBA history, More points than Jerry West, more points than Dwayne Wade, more points than Allen Iverson. Went to the playoffs his first 10 years in the NBA, including with a Nuggets team that won 17 games the year before he got there, won 43 his rookie year, including three with a Knicks team that won 29 games the year before he got there, won 42 when he got to New York, eliminated by the Lakers twice. Eliminated by the Spurs twice. Eliminated by LeBron once in the playoffs. The idea that Mello is anything other than a surefire, no-doubt, first-ballot, Hall of Fame lock, all-time scorer is ludicrous. And I don't get a lot of the hate. And if people want to say that he's not a Hall of Famer, I'm sorry you just don't know how the basketball Hall of Fame works. It's not that tough to get in. And they factor it's the pro it's the basketball Hall of Fame. So it factors in everything. It factors in college, it factors in international, it factors in pro ball, it factors in contributions to the game. Mitch Richmond is a Hall of Famer, okay? I went to the Hall of Fame's website, and you can browse Hall of Famers by players, coaches, teams, contributors, and referees, and I just did it by players. There's 194 Hall of Fame basketball players. Carmelo Anthony is the 22nd all-time leading scorer in NBA history, plus the international accomplishments, plus the college accomplishments, as a one-and-done freshman, one of the greatest – one-and-done players in the history of college basketball, Syracuse's only national title, yeah. Carmelo Anthony's getting into the Hall of Fame. And to pretend otherwise is nuts. And I think some of the hate is just because the media is largely based out of New York City, and Melo had some high-profile failures, some of which he contributed to and were his fault, and others he had nothing to do with. But because it happened in New York, there was so much focus on it. But this idea that Carmelo Anthony or anyone could have saved the Knicks franchise from themselves is ridiculous. And I think it's pretty clear. Like, history should have seen that, oh, yeah, I mean, they didn't give Joe Kim Noah $72 million when he had no more cartilage in his knees. And, oh, yeah. They did give Phil Jackson $10 million a year to run the team when he was living in L.A. And, oh, yeah, they did have the whole James Dolan, Isaiah Thomas fiasco and settlement, and, oh, yeah, they did ban Charles Oakley from the Garden, and, oh, yeah, and on and on and on and on. Like, that franchise is a dumpster fire. So, Mello only going to the playoffs three times as a Knick. Kind of remarkable. Given what's happened to the Knicks since Carmelo Anthony's left. 855 212 cbs what am I missing with Melo and why he's so polarizing and frankly hated and disrespected? Tyler in Texas is on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Tyler?
1: Hey, guys. Uh, I'm not a Melo hater. Uh, I just want to kind of see where, you know, give me my take on why I think he's hated. He's not fun to talk about. Uh, if you take all the guys with national championships out of the equation, we're looking at Paul uh, Iverson, Jerry West, and Charles Barkley. Jerry West is the logo of the NBA, so that's fun to talk about. Uh, AI crossed over Jordan, and so that's fun to talk about. And uh, Barkley is the best analyst on TV today, so just talking about him is fun. Melo doesn't have anything to come with that. So if he did the championships, if he had turned around New York, that would have been fun to talk about. But the worst team every year scores a lot of points. The worst team on the worst – sorry, the worst player on the worst team scores points every every year. He right, but like he wasn't, he wasn't on
2: bad teams always. He, he went to the playoffs his first ten years in the league. He wasn't always on bad teams.
1: Bad teams go to the playoffs. That's not fun to talk about. You have to have something to talk about to elevate it past. Like, you, you just spit out a ton of stats. And even me, not a mellow hater, was kind of taken back by how much he did. But none of that that's stuff we see every year. Every year, someone's going to get to the playoffs. Every year, someone's going to do something. But you have to do
2: something. So, be, uh, okay, like being most outstanding player in a Final Four and winning a national championship in college, not a moment?
1: I mean it's college. How many how many guys do we see that who are nothing? Where's Jimmer Fredette? He was amazing in
2: college. Well right, but, but we Jimmer, like, Fredette I mean, Jimmer Fredette didn't Jimmer Ferdet didn't back up college by being the twenty second all time leading scorer in NBA history with three gold medals. I'm just, I, I don't think I d I don't think
1: you can say he's an NBA I know what you were saying, but they look at college stats and everything. I'm just saying you can't say oh, this guy was a great NBA player, and just to push him over the top, he did this in college one year.
2: I mean, okay, but that's how the Basketball Hall of Fame does it. Listen, I appreciate the call. You can say that I can't do that, but I'm saying to you, that's literally how the Basketball Hall of Fame does it. They look at all of your contributions to basketball. There's a three-year waiting period from when you retire, and then you're eligible. Which means if this is his last year and he's out of basketball, 2019, 2020, 2021, Carmelo Anthony will be in the Hall of Fame in 2022. But that's just. I didn't even know that basketball reference had a Hall of Fame predictor, by the way. He's over 98% to make it. It's a lock. A lock. Let's go to Minnesota and welcome Eli to the Danny Parkin show. What's up, Eli?
3: Man, how you doing? Good, man. Yeah, so I think the entire Carmelo narrative right now is just the product of recency bias. And I think it's, it, it's very simple. Um, I think with the last two years with Houston, OKC, and then even the last years with the Knicks, um, he plays a game that is just... Going out of style in the NBA, you know, um, relying on the mid-range, relying on volume scoring, and not being a proficient three-point scorer, right?
2: Yep, and he, I agree he's with that. Some,
3: he's, he's had some fallouts with the, with the last few teams, and the fact that the, the Hawks bought him out to not even play on his team, and the fact that you know, right now nobody wants him because his game is, is outdated, I think that's just affecting the way people think of Carmelo. But we've seen this with a lot of other players. In three years, in four years, we're gonna look back on Melo's career. We're gonna see all the stats, we're gonna see the ten ten All Stars or, or whatever, the um six straight all NBA teams and we're gonna see him as, as a as a great player, as one of the all time players. But I think just for right now, he's experiencing every uh he's experiencing what all other athletes of his caliber experience when they're at the end of their career. They're still trying to get back into the game Uh, when they, when their game is outdated and they really have no business being there.
2: Listen, that, that's a really well thought out nuanced opinion. And I appreciate the call. Seriously. That's, I think that is fair. If what you're saying is when he's up for enshrinement, he'll be appreciated because we'll put it in the context of his era, but now everyone cares about what have you done for me lately and 16 years into his career, the game has changed and Melo hasn't changed with it. And so therefore, people are just grading him based on compared to other today's other stars in this three-point era of the NBA. And that's why he's being disrespected now. That is a fair stance. I think this has been going on since he was in Denver, frankly. And it's just, I think it started with being compared to LeBron. And people just don't – like, Sean Kemp could probably relate. Barkley could relate. Patrick Ewing could relate. Reggie Miller could relate. Stockton and Malone could relate. Guys who had to play in Michael Jordan's shadow and never won a title largely because of his dominance can probably empathize and relate with Carmelo Anthony really well. Carmelo Anthony was in the Western Conference while the Spurs and the Lakers were dominating, and he was in the same draft class as LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, for that matter. LeBron, arguably the best talent in the history of the sport, a one-man modern dynasty going to eight straight NBA finals. Dwayne Wade wins... A title because he gets Shaq and Pat Riley and is in a desirable free agent destination city, Miami. So that's just luck, right? He's drafted to Miami. Melo's drafted to Denver. One is a free agent hotspot. The other isn't. One has Pat Riley. The other doesn't. So Wade gets Shaq, Pat Riley, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. So he's a champion. Melo gets the Nuggets and James Dolan. Who's the best teammate Melo even had in his prime? I don't even know the answer. Like, who's the best teammate that Carmelo had his first 10 years in the NBA? At me on Twitter, at Danny Parkins. I'd be curious to know the answer to that. So much of team sports is a product of your era and luck and things outside of your control. And Mello had some bad luck for things outside of his control. And I like putting people's careers into proper context and giving it proper appreciation and not just letting national narrative dictate things. My guess is a lot of you are blown away by some of those stats and accolades that I gave Mello. People still want to detract from him. We'll hear from you coming up. You guys will get the final word on this, and then we'll get to... uh, Another huge issue I have with my industry as it relates to how we're talking about sports in 2019. That's coming up. More your mellow reaction next. to the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show. Thanks for hanging out. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855 212 4227 It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We learned in the last 48 hours that it looks like Carmelo Anthony's career might be done, so I'm trying to put an all-time great into proper perspective because he's become criminally underappreciated. 10-time All-Star, 3-time Gold Medalist, Team USA all-time leader in points, rebounds, and games played. An NCAA champion, made the playoffs his first 10 years in the NBA, took over a Nuggets team that won 17 games the year before he got there, won 43 his rookie year, went to a Knicks team that won 29 the year before he got there, won 42 his first time there, eliminated by the Spurs twice, the Lakers twice, LeBron once in the playoffs, 22nd all-time leading scorer in NBA history more than Jerry West, Allen Iverson, and Dwayne Wade. He's an all-timer. And so much of this in a team game is circumstance, right? Luck, things beyond your control. I asked offhand who the best player Melo ever played with when he was still in the prime of his career. You guys responded on Twitter basically with three names, and I think one is probably the correct answer. Amari Stoudemire. Allen Iverson, and Chauncey Billups. Amari was on again, off again, injured. And again, it was a dumpster fire of an organization. Iverson had his moments in Denver, but was well past his prime. I think the answer is Chauncey Billups. That '09 9 Western Conference Finals team that gave the Lakers all they could handle. Six-game series. Lost by two in game one. Lost by six in game three. That's that's probably the right answer. Chauncey Billups also, by the way, going to go to the Hall of Fame. So that, that's probably the right answer, but just compared to Dwayne Wade, who got a free agent destination team run by Pat Riley, teamed with Shaq early and LeBron and Bosh late compared to what Melo had. Circumstance, man. It's a huge part of this thing that people call narrative. And then people say, ah, Melo was just the... He was just a scorer. Well, he had to be. He carried those teams to relevance with very little talent around him. 855-212-4227. in Cleveland. Joe is on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Joe? Yeah,
4: thank you very much. Everything's going good. You know, I've been I've been looking at this novel thing for a long time, and the thing that always puzzled me was why did Joe Dumars select um, Darko Milovich over Carmelo Anthony after Carmelo Anthony had led Syracuse to that championship? He would have had Chauncey Billups his first year with Ben Wallace, with uh, Uncle Cliff, with Tayshaun Prince. We may have never seen LeBron's greatest game here in Cleveland where he went like 29 of the last 27 had Carmelo been on that Detroit team. Without a doubt, Carmelo is a Hall of Famer. No doubt, you know. So that's where the only thing I want to say was it started at Detroit. Not it, it
2: would have been fascinating to see him play on that team. I'm with you, man. That is that is a great all time NBA. What if if yeah. Melo gets exposed to quality veterans, hard workers doesn't need to be the best player on his team right away. Is the third best player on a title team, fourth best player on a title team, built on defense. Like if he learns defense from Ben Wallace and Tayshawn Prince and dudes like that. Rip Hamilton. Don't forget
4: Rip Hamilton is on that team.
2: Yeah, Rip Hamilton. No, all of them, man. All that's it, listen, it's a it's a great point and I appreciate you making it. it that's,
4: D- I don't know if Chuck Daly was still there. I don't know who their coach was. I can't remember
2: because LeBron. No, but I mean it was there. um it regardless, the, the point is the point is valid. It's the the idea is that Mello would have gone into a situation and had Larry Brown as his coach yeah. and prime Chauncey Billups as his point guard with Ben Wallace protecting the rim and he would have he would have been awesome. And he would have learned a lot from those guys, obviously. And instead he had to carry a franchise as a nineteen year old. And he won forty-three games in the West and made it to the playoffs. People are like, oh, Melo can't get out of the first round. Yeah, it was hard. Kobe was beating him with Shaq. It's that's not a huge knock. Let's see here. Let's go to hey, let's go to Denver. Someone who probably watched a lot of Melo up close and personal. Brad, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Brad, what's up, man?
4: I'm sorry.
5: Just cut out on me for a little bit. Sorry. Um, So we loved Mello in Denver. And um, towards the end of his time here, we wanted to rebuild and try to get get him some support. And he was not into that. Like, all of a sudden, he was going to be the second player on the team, and he was not up for that. So he decided to force himself out of here and go to New York. And he did not want to change his game when he was here. And you prefaced your conversation here with, "With does anybody in the NBA want him on his team? Of course not, because he has not changed his game.
2: I agree that at this point, It doesn't seem like it fits for Mello in the NBA, even though he says he'll come off the bench and all that. And I I think Mello could still score 14 a game off the bench for a good team. I, I believe that. And I believe there's still a role for that in the NBA. But you're absolutely right. And we talked about it a little earlier. Mello did not adapt to the modern NBA. That is undeniably true. And that is something that, limited the success that he had at the back end of his career. That is also undeniably true. I would also point out, like, there is a human nature component to it of doing it your way has made you a Hall of Famer, made you a top 25 all-time scorer, made you 230 million, got you three gold medals, has you with the utmost respect of your peers, right? Like, LeBron roll or excuse me Carmelo rolls in the tier 1 NBA circle. Melo, LeBron, Wade, that's the crew. He's his way worked out pretty well for him. It's like when people talk about Shaq's legacy like, "Oh, Shaq, all-time great, four rings, often was out of shape, played his way into shape, never got better at free throws." And somehow was kind of an underachiever. I mean, okay, but tough to make that argument when you're a top 15 all-time player. Feel the same way about Melo. Like, yeah, was he perfect? No. Did he modernize his game? No. But hate? Not a Hall of Famer? That is that is a bridge way 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 too far. Wit in the great state of Illinois, you get the last word on this, man. You're on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, wit just dropped. Okay, well, David also is in Illinois. David, you're on CBS Sports Radio.
6: Oh, uh, thanks for taking my call, Danny. Sure. Uh, let me say this: I've been watching NBA basketball since 1964. I seen Will Chamberlain, all of them through the ranks. Dr. J, Bill Russell, you know Chet Walker, all of them. There have been many players that were great scorers, prolific scorers in the past that made the Hall of Fame. George Gervin, for who never played deep, great shooter, great George. You know, you know the Ice Man. You had Pete Pete Maravich, great scorer, didn't play no deep. So Carmelo Anthony is, is definitely a great player. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt about it, cuz there were many before him that went in the Hall of Fame back in the day uh who didn't play uh there were there were great two-way players. Not everybody can be a great two-way player, like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, LeBron James, so forth. But he's a great player for what he had to work with. He didn't have the fortunes to be on on good teams like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and have it just didn't work out for him like that, but that has nothing to do with him not being in the Hall of Fame though. Because let me tell you, to beat the score like he did, it takes talent. It takes talent to be able to score 25,000 points.
7: Oh, listen, people, hell yeah, man. I, a lot of people I, can't I, do
8: it.
2: I appreciate the call. I agree with you. This idea, like, oh, he just scored. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's an offensive player in an offensive league who averaged 24 and a half and six and a half. That's pretty good. Is it Kobe? No. Is it LeBron? No. Is it top 20 all-time? No. But is it a legend? Yeah. Is it a successful career? Of course. Is it a Hall of Famer? No doubt about it. I think my industry stepped over a huge line this week, and I want to talk to you about it. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show. Thanks for hanging out. Thursday night, CBS Sports Network brings you a WNBA showdown when. The Indiana Fever battles the Washington Mystics on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. Want to stay in the NBA, but talk a little bit more about the media and our coverage. Because, listen, I obviously like to think that I'm right. I'm in the opinion business. I try to be as informed as possible. I try to be as fair as possible, but I get things wrong. I make mistakes. I step over the line. I understand live camera, live mic. We don't have editors. Um, Sometimes mistakes are made. But I thought my industry crossed an odd line this week, and there was a little bit of pushback on the substance of the point but I didn't see any pushback on whether or not the conversation should be happening in the first place. And I'm talking about LeBron James and his son Bronny and the Instagram videos of him celebrating at the games and the conversation that came out on that. I just, it was a little bit back in the week, so I normally don't do that, but I I honestly didn't hear anyone make the points that I want to make about it. Um, And I don't say that in any sort of like self-propping me up way. I I just want to know if the game changed and I I wasn't watching since when did it become acceptable to comment on how other people parent their children? Like, did I miss the memo on that? This isn't an Adrian Peterson situation where a child was beaten. This isn't a Tyreek Hill situation where a, a child had a broken arm. This is about LeBron James celebrating too much at an AAU basketball game? And by the way, I'm not even being holier than thou on talking about Bronny James, who's 14 years old. Like, If LeBron introduces his son to Instagram and he's a prospect and he's either going to go to college and play for Coach K or be a straight-to-the-NBA guy if they abolish the one-and-done rule and LeBron has stated on the record that he wants to be in the NBA when his son makes the NBA and that's like his last goal in basketball. Like, that's... I'll even say that Bronny is fair game in terms of evaluating his basketball talent. He's 14 years old. It's a little weird, but... I didn't get the memo that it was okay to discuss how someone parents their child. It's really weird. I I feel like we've lost our damn minds. So let's start uh, with... The Carnival Barkers, a couple of the most notorious ones in my industry, Jason Whitlock and Skip Bayless. We will start with the man who led this uh, crusade against LeBron James as a parent, a man who is not a parent himself, nor am I, Jason Whitlock.
7: LeBron James isn't the first, nor will he be the last, sports dad to make himself the focus of his child's burgeoning athletic career. As money is poured into professional sports, so have the Marv and the LeVar Balls. Super dads anxious to groom their son's skills and bask in the glory of their success. This weekend, new footage emerged of LeBron performing his super dad routine at LeBron Jr.'s AAU game. LeBron joined his son in the pregame layup line, executing an assortment of dunks. Once play got underway, LeBron celebrated wildly on the sideline and on the court. This is all pretty much standard operating procedure for LeBron at his son's games. I'm sure someone has convinced LeBron that the subsequent viral videos are a good thing. In his mind, LeBron is making fatherhood cool and fun again. I disagree. LeBron is making a spectacle of himself, a circus of his son's early playing days, and using his son's game as yet another platform to build the LeBron social media brand. It's inappropriate. It points to how much fame has inevitably changed LeBron over the past decade. Fame is a drug more potent and dangerous than cocaine. Mm. LeBron is a fame and social media junkie. He moved to Los Angeles looking for a better high. In recent years, people have accused me of being a LeBron James hater. They say I've changed, but I used to defend James and his associates Maverick Carter and Rich Paul. I haven't changed. LeBron has. His annex at his son's AAU games illustrate my point. In 2008, in the second round of the playoffs, Boston Celtics forward Paul Pierce wrapped up James and tussled with him underneath the basket. LeBron James' mother stood up and started yelling at Paul Pierce. LeBron told his mother, sit your ass down. Some in the media criticized LeBron for speaking harshly to his mother. I defended LeBron. I applauded him for stopping his mother from making herself a spectacle during his game. Gloria James needed to control herself and conduct herself with a dignity that placed LeBron in the proper light. That's what parents, no matter how famous, should do. They should not allow their thirst for fame to distract from or exaggerate their child's performance. LeBron needs to follow the advice he gave his mom a decade ago. Sit your ass down.
2: That's Jason Whitlock from Fox Sports 1, and I hope the irony isn't lost on anybody that a once compelling writer who sold out To move to L.A. for fame is criticizing LeBron James for doing the same. So I hope that's not lost on anybody, but he says he disagrees. It's inappropriate. Fame is more dangerous than cocaine. That's a hell of a stretch. Sensationalistic for the purpose of being sensational. So Jason Whitlock disagrees with how LeBron parents his son, who's 14, comparing it to what his mother did at a professional basketball game. It's unbelievable. Like the intellectual dishonesty there is staggering. I'll expand on that in a minute. But Jason Whitlock was not alone. Skip Bayless also decided to pile on.
5: This can't help projecting back to the guy I covered, Michael Jordan, and LeBron's always comparing himself and wants to pass Michael Jordan. I just can't imagine Michael in his prime or near the end of his prime as his kid played high school basketball he had two kids play yes. high school basketball it, that he would ever stoop to doing this because it would be beneath his dignity and this was beneath
2: lebron's dignity because everything has to be a comparison and they have to father their chi- their children the exact same way and oh yeah by the way you have no idea how Le- how michael jordan was as a sports parent you're just saying you imagine that that's not what jordan would have done but you know i'm not a dad I don't feel very comfortable uh, judging whether or not LeBron was doing the is a good father, bad father, anything like that. It doesn't seem to be appropriate. I find the conversation weird. I wonder if you agree or disagree at 855-212-4CBS. But I felt like maybe if only we could know what LeBron's motivations are for fatherhood and his approach to it, maybe that would give us some insight into how he's going about being the father to his kids. Oh, wait. He was in the backseat of an Uber being driven by Kerry Champion for the uninterrupted, talking to Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant asked him about that very subject. Being as,
8: like, as, a, as a high school player, like ninth grader, you mm-hmm. was a senior, like literally a god to us. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, you played on TV against Oak Hill the next day in school, we were talking about it. So you see that, and then you had your first son, and then you had another son, and then you yeah. had a daughter. And for me, I'm not even at that point in my life yet, yeah. but every day, like, how do you become a better husband and father every day? What, what really helped me out becoming a parent is what I went through as a kid, not having a dad. I had to learn on my own. and when I had to become like the man of the household at like five years old, I'm coming from a single parent household, you know the story, just me and my moms not only did I wanted to inspire to be a a basketball player and or a football player professionally to get my mom out of the situation I wanted to have kids early to prove to my father that this, the way you did it was the absolute wrong way to do it and I wanted to break the mold to where I want to be there and give him all the life skills man, I wanted to you know, tell him this is what your dad went through, this is how you approach it, this is how you go through it. And I'm still learning. I got yeah. three kids and I'm still learning how to be a better a better husband, or how to be a better father, how to be a better son. To so my mind, it never it's never ending, bro. All you can do and hope at the end of the road is that you've given your kids enough life lessons to where when it's time for them to live their life. Then they can flourish on their own because they're gonna to have to make their own path as well. Even though we've set them up the best possible way, and and the same thing with being a husband is like when you know you committed, then everything else take care of itself.
2: Whose side would you rather be on, LeBron's or Jason Whitlock's? I just don't understand when it became acceptable to critique. LeBron James's parenting. Are they so starved for ratings? Like talk about a training camp story, talk about if the Lakers can win, talk about literally anything else. It LeBron is an active, present, exuberant, and sure, maybe sometimes slightly over the top, involved parent who is trying to be the father to his kids that he never had and trying to set the example for his kids that he didn't get from his father, not to mention the societal impact of fatherhood in the black community. Does anyone think that if Tom Brady... Was throwing touchdown passes at halftime of a Pop Warner game to his kids—that it would be debating on whether or not Tom Brady is too involved in his children's life. Of course not. So comparing it to Venus and Serena Williams's father or Levar Ball is so intellectually bankrupt. The fatherhood in those situations, the father figure is a, I mean, the Williams sister's case, the teacher, but also a father of professional athletes. Those were millionaire TV broadcasters critiquing the parenting of a basketball player parenting his 14-year-old son, saying they're doing it for fame. Forget intellectually bankrupt. How about morally bankrupt? Like, I, I was embarrassed for my industry. And I know that those shows have to wide cast, right? Like they have to be very broad. Baker Mayfields, New England Patriots, Dallas Cowboys, Odell Beckham, LeBron James. Like, you you got to do things that everybody has an opinion on. Because not everybody watched the game from the night before, and you're you're trying to attract people in Montana and LA and Chicago and Philly and Boston and Tampa. And like I I, I get it that LeBron's good for business. But come on. Am I crazy here? Like, honestly, 855 212 4 cbs I am genuinely interested in what you, the consumer of sports media, wants. Are you at all? okay with there being a conversation about the merits of LeBron James's parenting at a AAU basketball game. He wasn't cursing out a ref. He wasn't physical with another sports parent. He's involved. The kids love it. There was a story that was reported that he said to a kid on another team at one of the games. I hope I'm still in the NBA when you make it. And the kid broke down crying. The kids aren't complaining. But Jason Whitlock and Skip Bayless are. Do you find this acceptable, and inbounds of sports media coverage in 2019? 855 212 We hear from you next. CBS Sports Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.